Well, you can turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. We'll be starting in verse 9 this morning. And as you turn there, I, I want to share a little bit about uh, my little guy, Titus Storms. He's uh, two years old now. And one of the greatest joys in our home these days is hearing Titus learn to speak different words and then put those words together in some short, simple sentences. And uh, just a couple of nights ago, uh, I had a great experience with Titus. You know, he, he gets his bath at night, and then we come downstairs, and we give him a cup of milk, and he usually watches a show for a few minutes just to calm down, you know. And then we'll say, Titus, are you ready to brush, brush? You know, and that means we're going to go upstairs and brush his teeth. And, uh, you know, usually as we're walking up the stairs, like, my brush. That's what he's saying, like, my brush. That means he wants to brush. Like, he wants to be in charge and do it. Welcome to our lives these days. Titus, is in charge. And so we'll go upstairs and, and I'll set him on the, the counter of the sink. And what I noticed this time is that Titus was turning around and getting soap and, and, and rubbing it on his hands. And like, this is one of those parenting moments. Like, should I tell him that's not a good idea? Like, hey, buddy, we just had a bath. You don't need soap. Like, you know, but I just kind of like, hey, a little bit. You know, a lot of times as parents, we just compromise. Like, a little bit of soap. You know, we, you're good. We're going to brush your teeth. And so he gets a little bit and he's doing this as I'm doing ah, e, ah, you know, the whole parenting thing. And, uh, and then uh, as we're walking uh, to his room, and I put him in his crib. He says, look, raisins all gone. Soap did that. Now, now, now let me put two and two together for you uh, who, who may not be following the story. So, so in his bath, he gets, you know, these, these prune fingers, these raisins. Have you ever been in a pool or a bath or shower long enough? Like your, your fingers kind of prune up or raisin up. So like, you know, we, we kind of make, you know, fun with that and, and, and play with that, and I eat his raisins, you know, all that. But, but, but he, he thought that after he rubbed the soap on his hands that the raisins were gone. So that was his big sentence of the night and just cracked me up. I love, I love that. And, and so he's putting these words together, these sentences together, and, and he's really learned the art of command, you know, like he knows how to not just ask for things, but, but to tell you what he wants, what games he wants to play, what food he wants to eat, what shows he wants to watch. And his favorite command these days is this. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down, mama. Sit down, daddy. Sit down, Parker. It's just like, sit, and you're like, the longer that you do not heed his command, the louder he gets, right? Sit down. And what I love about that is even a two-year-old, he's laughing right now, love it. Even a two-year-old understands the value of full attention. Titus understands that if mommy and daddy are bustling about the, the house or preparing dinner or if his sisters are doing their homework and, and they aren't sitting down with him to play with him, that we have not given him our full attention. And I believe these two words are two words that God wants to speak to each and every one of us as we move into this new year. 
He's calling us. He's inviting us once again to sit down. He wants our full attention. He wants us to grow in the depth of our relationship with him. And so today is an invitation to hear the voice of God from the word of God, to sit down, to enjoy God and love God, and most of all, be loved by God. So I want to read from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15, that tell us about the beginning days of the life of, of Jesus' ministry. Verse 9 in Mark 1 says this, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As we work our way through these words today, I want to give you three truths, and I want to set before you today a vision that I believe, as pastors we believe, will really set us on a course to experience these, these two words, this invitation from God to sit down and to experience more of him and to walk in his love and to love him in return. The first truth that we we see here that we're called to today is to live from our identity. Live from your identity. I don't know about you, but, but verse 9 seems a little backwards. It says that Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized by John. And John the Baptist felt the same way. We learn in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke that, that John says to Jesus, like, why are you coming to be baptized by me? It should be the other way around, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness. Perhaps he was identifying with his people. Perhaps uh, he's, he's showing an example for us to follow. But no doubt about it, Mark captures the significance of this moment in the life of Christ. You know, our lives are often marked by moments. And this was a moment, a, a marking moment for Jesus here as he's baptized. And Mark tells us in verse 10, the first reason for this, he says he saw, Jesus saw this personal relationship. Jesus, we aren't sure if everyone else saw it, but Jesus saw the heavens being torn open. The Greek word is schizo. It, it means to be torn in two. 
And the only other time, by the way, you want to write this down in your notes, that Mark uses this term is in Mark 15, 38, where it says the temple, uh, the, the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. And in that moment, the Roman centurion makes the same confession that we just read God the Father making here in Mark chapter 1 when he says, surely this must be the Son of God. This is not a small moment in the life of Christ. The heavens are torn open. And what happens when the heavens are torn open? The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. It doesn't mean that Jesus didn't already have the Spirit, but what we see here is that there is an anointing, an empowerment on the life of Christ that he is now marked and filled with the Holy Spirit to fulfill his messianic mission. And this moment is loaded with Old Testament truth and imagery. The prophet Isaiah prays in Isaiah 64 verse 1, that God would rend the heavens and come down. God has done that in the person of his son. He's done that by sending the Holy Spirit to anoint his son for his mission. But then also we are echoing all the way back to the first chapter of the Bible when it says in the second verse of the Bible that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters in God's creation. In the very first two verses of the Bible, you have the presence of the Trinity, God the Father speaking the world into existence by the eternal word of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. And this is a moment of new creation. The Father speaking from heaven. The Spirit descending on the Son. The Son being fueled and filled for the ministry ahead. And rightly so because, again, the prophets would tell us that the the, the age of the Messiah would be marked by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 says what? And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Everything that Jesus would do in his earthly life was was born out of this moment where he is filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And now he would depend on God by the power of the Holy Spirit in all of his earthly ministry, all of his teaching, all of his miracles, all of the words of knowledge, everything that Jesus did, all the miracles, it was happening by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within him. Jesus, yes, in his humanity, needed the Holy Spirit of God though that he was fully divine in himself. But that's not all. Jesus was not only anointed by the Spirit, he was affirmed by our Heavenly Father. In the moments when he is baptized, and and Luke would tell us that he was then praying, a voice thunders from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. I hope you'll underline these words, write these words down, memorize these words. There are few words more important in the scripture than these words that we find in Mark 1, 11. If we translated the Greek out literally, it would say, you are my son, the beloved one. I am very pleased with 
you. And again, there's all kinds of fulfillment and echoes going on here. You are my son takes us back to Psalm 2, the messianic psalm, the royal, the, the royal psalm, that the king is coming. And the, the Davidic king would be none other than the son of God. But then the beloved one, it, it seems to be a clear echo of Genesis 22 when God speaks to Abraham and he says that he should sacrifice and take his only son whom he loves. This seems to be pointing us to the, the, the suffering servant of God, Jesus Christ, who would give his life on the cross as a ransom for many. But not only that, when God says, with you I am well pleased, we hear an echo of Isaiah 42, verse 1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. These words of God point to the identity of Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one whom God takes great pleasure in. See, they don't only show his identity, they also tell us what kind of relationship that Jesus enjoyed with his Father. And I'm here to tell you this morning, whether you're here at Medford High School or worshiping with us online, singing those songs, thank you music team, I was worshiping over there, worshiping in the back, loved them. These words are for you. If you have said yes to God through faith in Jesus Christ, you are nothing less than a son or daughter of God. These words that Jesus speaks, that the Father speaks to Jesus, they are words that he speaks to every single one of his children. So much so that if you're taking notes, I want you to write your own name before them. Bianca, you are loved. You are my chosen one. With you, I am well pleased. Pedro, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Sarah, you are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. Hear God speaking these words over you today. God desires a deep, intimate, personal relationship with every single one of us, more personal than we can begin to fathom. We are, again, this takes us back to the garden. This is what we were made for in the beginning. The first relationship you were made for was not your best friend, not your spouse. It was for God. God says, you are beloved. And let's not miss the fact that he says this to Jesus before Jesus does anything in his public earthly ministry. Which tells us that God loves us for who we are, not what we do. He loves us because he loves us. He loves us because we belong to him. We're his sons and daughters. He takes pleasure in us. The New Living Translation says, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. 
Hear God speaking that over you today. God, you bring God great joy. God takes great pleasure in you. He looks at you with delight. He cherishes you for you. And so what we learn here is that we are living from our identity as sons and daughters of God, not for an identity. We're living our lives now from approval, not for approval. We're living our lives from love, not for love. And this is why at Redemption Help, we believe that there is nothing more important than cultivating a deep, intimate friendship with God. That's why this year, in 2021, we are going to focus our best effort and energy and time into this theme of discipleship. Discipleship, as we're going to learn about so much in the Gospel of Mark, is about following Jesus and following Jesus in all of life, anywhere and everywhere in whatever we're doing. And so let me just get clear on a few terms with you this morning. What is a disciple? We all need to know this, by the way. A disciple is simply a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I would ask you this morning, are you a follower of Christ? Have you said yes to him? If not, say yes to him today. And no matter how old you are, if you're a child, a teen, an adult, listen, God is inviting you into this story to follow his son. Are you learning from him? Are you sitting at his feet? Are you aware of your, his presence everywhere you go? A disciple is a follower of Jesus. But when we talk about discipleship, we're talking about following Jesus in all of life. And so as you, as you follow him, how closely are you following him? Worshiping online right now, trying to fight the distractions around you, how closely are you following Jesus Christ? Are you growing in your relationship with him? And this is what I love. As we walk with Jesus, what we find is that Jesus wants us to not only receive, but he wants us to receive from him so that we give it away to others. This is called disciple making. Disciple making is helping others follow Jesus in all of life. You say, well, Tanner, uh, if we're talking about discipleship this year, 2021 is all about discipleship, uh, then that's like, that's pretty big if we're talking about following Jesus in all of life. How, how might we break this down? How might we, we bring into focus? What might we focus on that will help us follow Jesus in all of life, that will help us help others to follow Jesus in all of life? And so what, what our prayer is this year, what we're going to chase after collectively as a church, not just a few people, not just a couple dozen, but all of us pursuing one million minutes with God in 2021. <laughs> one million minutes with God in 2021. And you say, like, well, Pastor, what, what on earth are you talking about? One million minutes, that's a big number. Okay, 
One million minutes happens when all of us collectively invest at least 1% of our day. If you do the math, 1,444 minutes in a day, okay, that's roughly 15 minutes. When we invest at least 1% of our day in focused face-to-face time with God. Investing at least 1% of our day in focused face-to-face time with God. The word focused is important. We're talking about drowning out distractions. We're talking about hearing the voice of God saying, sit down so he has our full attention. We're talking about putting this device into do not disturb mode or maybe just like, you know, for 15 minutes. We live in an age of distraction. And, and, and it's not an overstatement to say that it, for some of us, is killing our souls. It's robbing us of precious time. Intimacy with the God who made us for himself. So it's focused face-to-face. I love this idea of face-to-face. Did you know that in Exodus 33, it says that Moses used to speak with God as a friend speaks to a friend face-to-face. We learn in Psalm 25, verse 14, that the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. We see when Jesus calls the 12 disciples in Mark chapter 3, guess what it says? It says in chapter 3, verse 14, it says, and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that, are you ready for this? That they might be with him. God just wants to be with us. He just wants to spend time with us because he really, really loves us. God has our name on his calendar every single day. And so I I just get excited about what our church is going to look like when each one of us make this more of a priority in 2021. If you want to do the, do the math and, and see the math, you can see it up here. You can like, write it down, okay? Uh, 15 minutes times seven days a week times 52 weeks times a couple hundred people is like 1.1 million minutes, okay? So you can kind of give or take a day here or there. You can add a few people, subtract a few people. All right, we're not like doing the math with a calculator every week. The point is that we are spending focused face-to-face time with God. You say, well, well, Tanner, why is is this the focus this year? And as pastors, we we pray a lot about these things. It's our job to know what's going on in the life of our church, to to seek the face of God, to pray, to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in terms of where we want to continue to move forward and and enhance ministry and and what's happening on Sundays and and, and where we're going to put our best energy and focus from year to year. And there are a few prominent reasons as we think about 2021. Number one, we know that 2020 was a very hard year. 2020 was a very difficult year for most of us in some way, shape, or form. For many of you, you may be saying, yeah, that was like the most challenging, trying year of my life. I mean, we don't have to like read the stats in the news to know that anxiety and depression and relational tension and spiritual battles are happening all around us and among us. 
we're concerned for the health of our church. Not in like a panic way, but just in a healthy way of like, we all, like, I felt weak in 2020. There were moments, there were days, there were weeks where I knew I wasn't at my full strength. And I needed more of God's presence to strengthen me for the journey. But not only that, as pastors, one of the the common uh, requests that we get is like, hey, help me understand what it looks like to walk with God. Or, or, hey, I I know I I value like spending time with God and and hearing from him and his word and praying and worshiping, but, you know, I just struggle to do it. I just get out of rhythms. I get distracted and I focus on other things and prioritize. And so this is a request that we often get from attenders, members, leaders even, that this is an area of growth for us collectively. Pastor John sent out a survey last month, so thankful for, I believe, 92 people filled it out. Is that right, Pastor John? Something like that. I mean, a phenomenal response. So thank you to each one of you who filled out our online survey. We're going to do more of those through the year. But what we learned is that 55% of our members and attenders, those who filled this out, Read at least one chapter of the Bible five days a week. I mean, that's, that's not bad. We can, we can celebrate that. That's, that's good. And yet it shows room for growth, right? I mean, there is, there is room for 45% of people to start reading at least one chapter of the Bible five days a week. Prayer is similar. 58% of people pray at least five days a week. 80, but eight, listen to this, 86% find Bible reading and prayer at least moderately satisfying, and over 50% find it very or extremely satisfying. That's encouraging. And we want to see that grow. We want to see people not just checking a box. This isn't about checking a box. Let me say it loud and clear. God doesn't need your 15 minutes. God doesn't need my 15 minutes. God wants to pour out his love into our hearts. A couple of other findings from our survey, 69% rarely spend time memorizing scripture. 89% fast only a few times a year or less, but 69% believe it's at least moderately important. And so we can see some disconnect there, and that's not super surprising in in churches like Redemption Hill. We want to see that, that change. But this is a need that's been raised in our church. And then, and then finally, uh, just the thirdly, not only the, the past year that we've experienced and, and the need that, that we hear over and over again from our church family, but, but discipleship and specifically disciple making was at one time a great strength of Redemption Hill Church. In the early days of Redemption Hill, there was a large percentage of people that were not only being invested in in a personal way, but but there were people who were saying, I will pour my life into your life as I say, follow me as I follow Jesus. We want to get back to that. We want to see that strengthen in our church family in 2021. Now, let me maybe answer a few questions you're, you're asking as we talk about a million minutes. As we talk about spending at least 15 minutes a day with God and focused face-to-face time, maybe you're saying, like, why focus on time, Pastor Tanner? Well, well, time measures the quantity of our investment. It shows what we value. Every relationship, you know this from every relationship under the sun, every relationship 
is grown, cultivated through quality time. You say, well, Pastor Tanner, why 15 minutes? Like, I'm just trying to survive life right now. I don't think I have 15 minutes. Listen, if you are in that boat, you need to feel no shame. I would say, start with five. Just find five minutes for focused face-to-face time with God. Others may may be thinking like, hey, 15 minutes? Like, why are we talking about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, more minutes? We chose a target that we felt like everyone could chase after. But you will never hear from the lips of Pastor Tanner that you need to limit your time with God. 15 isn't enough. Keep going. I mean, it's not, a, listen, it's not, it's not about minutes. It's really not about minutes. My best time with God is when I lose track of time and just linger and just have to like change the rest of my day and change my plans. You say, well, Tanner, you're a pastor. You can do that. I have a, I have a, I have a schedule. Or you know what? I can like wake up earlier like all of you can. But, but Tanner, aren't we supposed to walk with Jesus all throughout our day? Yes. Absolutely. But, but these, these, these minutes with God, these focused minutes, whether you're in the morning, which is great, I think super preferable in many respects, but, but hey, if, if your lunch break is the 15 minutes of focused face-to-face time, take your lunch break. If it's in the evening, that's when you're, if you're a night person, and like let those 15 minutes at night fuel the next 24 hours until you're able to spend that time with God again. Some are saying devotional time is not the the end-all, be-all, and I would say you are absolutely right. I've known many Christians, and I have been there myself, that have spent a lot of time reading the Bible and have not lived a powerful life for God. This sounds so legalistic, Tanner. We're talking about minutes. We're talking about at least 15 minutes. That sounds legalistic. Like, like we, if we aren't doing this, then God doesn't love us. Well, I hope you heard what I just read out of Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. We do this from love and for love, not to check a box, not to set a stopwatch and say, oh, I made my 15 minutes. I'm good to go. God loves me now. That's legalism. This is not about that. And maybe you're saying, well, Tanner, I don't know where to start. I would love to, like, get this focus face at the time that you're talking about with God, but I don't know where to start. Well, that's why we're here. We're here to help you with that. So what are we going to do as a church family? What does this mean for Redemption Hill in 2021? In terms of personal discipleship, we are going to help you encounter Jesus daily. I want to give it up. Can we give it up for Pastor John Chastain, who has worked very, very hard since he returned from his summer sabbatical to get us ready for 2021. We have a great Bible reading plan for 2021 where we're going to work through the New Testament in 260 days, five days a week, a couple grace days built in to your week every single week. We have a devotional guide that they just will walk you through. You want to spend 15 minutes or your 10 minutes or your 20, 30 minutes, whatever. Prepare your heart. Listen to God primarily through his word, and then talk to God in prayer. Simple as that. Prepare, listen, talk. And there are other tips and, and helps for you in that. Pastor Steve Agbula, our pastor of evangelism and prayer, has created a monthly prayer guide that is linked also. All this information is on our app 
on the homepage. Thank you, Jim Muso, for getting that ready for us. And you say, well, well Tanner, why, why is this starting point so critical? It's because when we learn to invest in our relationship with God, God will change us from the inside out. We not only live from our identity, but we will then experience God's change in all of life. Listen to verses 12 and 13 again of Mark chapter 1. It says, The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Again, we're surprised to see that Jesus was driven into the wilderness, not by Satan, his adversary, but by the Holy Spirit that had just anointed him and fallen upon him. You say, well, why would the Spirit lead him out into the wilderness? Well, this shows us that the the Holy Spirit was was, uh, filling and empowering Jesus to the point where he lived under the control of the Holy Spirit in everything. That's what it means to be filled by, with the Spirit, by the way, to live under the control of the Spirit, where the Spirit is leading us and guiding us and empowering us for whatever it is that God calls us to do. Why did he lead him out? Well, it was not only so that you know, he could seek God, and we see he's fasting and praying for 40 days. But in these moments, Satan uses this moment. Oftentimes when we're physically weak, Satan will seek to pounce on us. So Satan tempts him over and over and over again. More than three times, we're quite confident by the language in Luke. All right, we see three uh, specific temptations from Matthew and, and Luke. But, but he was tempting him over these 40 days. But, but it wasn't so much about the temptation as much as it was Jesus passing the test showing who he is as the Son of God. The place of wilderness is always a place of testing. We see that all throughout Scripture. And so Jesus in the wilderness is passing the test of obedience and love for God where Adam failed in the garden. He's showing that he is the true and greater son of God. And and we see that as he's depending on the, the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as he's praying, fasting, meditating on the word of God, he defeats each and every temptation that comes his way. This is available for you. God wants you to experience his power, his changing power in everything, in every area of your life. As we focus on discipleship in 2021, we want to also equip you to follow Jesus in all of life. This is why we're camping out in the Gospel of Mark for almost every Sunday in 2021. This is why we're offering equip groups that will help you understand and interpret the Bible for yourself. We're we're offering equip groups on how to manage your money. We're going to be offering equip groups on seeking racial justice that we talked about at the end of last year. And more are to come, including we're going to, to spend time focusing on how helping you discover your spiritual gifts and then use those spiritual gifts wherever God places you. 
to serve not just the body of Christ, but the larger community as God empowers you to serve others. Our hope is this. At any moment, you will always have an answer to this question. I love this. How is God changing you? How is God changing you? Listen, I'm all about, you guys know me. If, if you know me, you know me. Like, I love the what's up, how's it going, what's happening, what's going on in life. Like, like, God cares about those questions. But what happens when we start asking, how is God changing you? And we have real answers, you know, not just like church answers, but um, real, real answers. God changing us day by day. I want this to, to seep into our vocabulary as a church where we're asking this question as we interact with others. And when we simply ask this question to one another, it takes us to the third truth that we see, the third encouragement that, that leads us to disciple making, that as we experience God's changing power, we're ready to bring God's change to others. Jesus came not only to experience God's changing power for himself, he came to bring God's change to others. In verse 14, he begins to proclaim the gospel. And he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. In other words, what Jesus came to do is he came to bring God's change to others. To repent means to have a change of mind that leads to a change of life. To believe is to put our trust and faith in God and what he has done for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the way of Jesus is the way of love to pour ourselves out for the sake of others. This, yes, means introducing more of our friends to Jesus. We call that evangelism. Our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers who don't yet follow Jesus, yes, we want to see them know the joy of following Jesus. So that's part of disciple-making, but also discipleship, helping others follow Jesus in all areas of life. And so what might this look like in Redemption Hill in 2021? As I shared, this used to be a real strength of our church where people were saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And we're spending intentional time uh, getting together and interacting through the week so that people could, newer believers or, or people that are not as far along in their walk with God could learn from others who are further along in their walk with God. We want to see that happen more and more and more. It's going to happen out of our groups and out of our teams and out of our various ministries in Redemption Kids with Redemption students, seeing this happen to the point where we're bringing God's change in our workplaces, neighborhoods, and yes, in our homes as well. Parents, we want to equip you for family discipleship, how to, to lead your family to follow Christ together. And so as we think about disciple making, it leads us to the second essential question that I hope, again, becomes part of who we are this year in our conversation. Not I'm saying like every conversation, like, you gotta, hey, how, how's God changing you? Like, but, but just consistently, regularly, we're just having these meaningful conversations. How is God changing you? How is, number two, God changing others through you? 
What happens when we always have an answer to these two questions? God wants this for you. He made you for this. To receive his changing power and to give his changing power away as the Holy Spirit empowers you to live the life of Christ. And so listen, as we move out into a new year, my prayer is that we would experience God's changing power through daily encounters with Jesus. Experience God's changing power through daily encounters with Jesus. You say, well, Tanner, just before we wrap up our time, you know, and we go after this thing. If you could just kind of summarize it for me and, and answer the question, like, okay, like it seems kind of important, but like why should I really give myself to this? Why should I go for it? Why should I give myself to daily focus, face-to-face time with God just to see what might happen in my life? Well, I can tell you this is what will happen. Out of a sincere, just honest approach, you will discover, number one and most important, God really, really loves you. He loves you. We're coming to him because he is calling to us. Your name is on his calendar. He's speaking to you saying, sit down and spend quality time with me. I just want to give you more of myself. I just want to show you how much I love you. There's nothing better than walking with God. I've never regretted spending one minute with God. Oh, there have been seasons in my life where I've gone through the motions. But I can tell you this. The the moments, the seasons of the greatest spiritual effectiveness and fruitfulness out of my life have become when I am walking most closely with Jesus. God is inviting us into it again because he really, really loves us. And when we experience God in these ways, we'll then, number two, have strength for life. No matter what you face, no matter what 2021 throws us, it's not a great start to 2021, sorry. I'm not pumped up about it either, but listen, no matter what we face, no matter what trials or temptation we go through, listen, we will have strength. God has not left us to ourselves. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Man does not live by bread alone, but we are strengthened by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when we're strengthened, it's going to help us have an impact for Jesus wherever we go. Impact for Jesus wherever you go. It's like, Tanner, that sounds like preacher talk. Like, that's pretty lofty. It's like, do I really believe that? I really believe it. And I hope you do too. Because it's an irresistible law of the kingdom of God. These are not my words. These are Jesus' words when he says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Not just a little bit. You will have an influence on everyone around you. This relationship changes every relationship. 
Put God to the test. See if now, if what I'm saying is, is not true. And as we do it over time, we'll leave a legacy of faith that will influence generations. I just turned 40. <laughs> just turned 40 years old. December 23rd. Yeah, hey, thank you. Some of you guys wrote notes and whatever, Facebook posts, but I appreciate it all. Um, I mean, I consider myself a young man, you know? I mean, some of you are like, no, Pastor Tanner, you're getting old because you're young. But when you get to be 40, you won't think I'm old. You'll think I'm young. So that's how it works, right? Right? Like if you're a decade or two ahead, you're like, yeah, th- you're young. It's like 40 is kind of a big deal, right? Like Marsha did the whole black, you know, like she did get a sign that said 40 and killing it. I appreciated that. That was cool, you know. <laughs> but but it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a marker. It's a, you know, proverbial over the hill. Like, you know, maybe like even the Bible says that God gives us like 70 years or by reason of strength, 80, you know. So like 40 times 2 is 80. It's like, you know, the point is life is short. The point is life matters. The point is, Tanner Turley will die one day, and very few, if anyone, will remember my name beyond a generation or two, my family. That's great. But what if God worked through my life? What if God worked through your life in, a, in, in ways that touched multiple generations because you are living the life of Christ? So filled and fueled by the Holy Spirit, that you're pouring the life of Christ into other people who pour the life of Christ into other people who pour the life of Christ into other people. There is no limit to how God can use just one person who is wholeheartedly committed to him. And so imagine what our church is going to look like. Listen, I know it's an awkward year. I know it's crazy. I know there were like, what, 60, 70 people in here. And, you know, a year ago there were 270 people here the second Sunday of the year. What will happen when we receive the love of God day by day by day? when we're strengthened for the life that God has called us to live, when we're influencing people everywhere we go and leaving a legacy of faith for generations to come. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be amazing to see what God can do through just some ordinary people like us as we chase after him. Because he is chasing after us. Paul said it in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Think about that. I've been, I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's our life. That's what we're called to. Jesus Christ living in us. Oh, God, do it. 
God, as we spend time with you day by day, as we carve out, as we say no to lesser things, not necessarily bad things, but things that are not the best, God, would you enable us to experience your love, experience your changing power, and then to bring your changing power to the people around us, God. I pray that you would anoint your church with your Holy Spirit again, that you would give us fresh desires for you, a new love, God. Take us back to our first love. Take us back to the zeal, the passion that we once had. Maybe this year was tough. Maybe it kind of poured some water on the passion in our souls. God, you can restore it. Would you do it again, Lord? We want Christ to be magnified in us. We want Christ to be glorified in us. We want our lives to count for you. And so, God, it's our prayer today that Jesus Christ would be magnified in this church and throughout Boston, New England, and the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.